Chris here. This is Eli. And this is our podcast, Twin Brother Darkness, the podcast for everyday people in the hospitality industry. Yep, this is the podcast where we uh, talk to everyone in the industry, just try to hear about the story and uh, everything that uh, they have to say. So if you like our show, please tune in again. Once again, this is Twin Brother Darkness Chefs podcast. Thank you. Well, I'm here with uh, Jeff Kessel. Um, we've worked together, spent uh, many a Saturday nights on the grind together, and just thought it'd be good to uh, get to know him. He's a he's a great chef, always hardworking. So here he is. What's up, Jeff? Not much. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. How you been? It's been a little bit. It has been a while. I've been good, just you know, putting in the work, um, doing a couple of things in my free time, but that's about it. All right. Well, uh, first of all, let's um, let's hear about you. You know, um, who you are, how you started cooking, and how that went for you. All right. Uh, well, I started cooking um, almost twenty-one years ago. Now I, I was fifteen. Got my first job at a local pizza place down in Edinburgh, Minnesota, and uh, spent about 10, 12 years there on and off again, and eventually made my way into actual restaurant jobs that had dine-in and not just takeaway pizza. And uh, actually, that first job, actual restaurant, was at a Buffalo Wild Wings. I was a host there, but um, I kept peering back into the kitchen to see uh, what was going on back there and eventually I made my way back there and we just started cooking and been going ever since um, been to nice. yeah been bouncing around all over the Twin Cities ever since then yeah I mean for me too I actually started in the front of the house busting tables and kind of same deal yeah. Wanted to see what was going back in the kitchen and kind of got hooked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you always uh, figure that's where the money is in the front of the house and everything, but then you don't factor in the fact that you got to talk to guests and deal with all their issues. So. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, I I quickly learned that one. Mm-hmm. Well, and, I mean, yeah, at Buffalo Wild Wings, I mean, it's not a supper club where everybody is uh, super nice. Yeah. No, no, I, I, yeah, like I said, I tried to do the front of house thing there for like three months. I eventually made my way up to server and one of my only serving shifts there, it was on a Vikings game, not Vikings game day. Place was packed and I was carrying a tray full of drinks and dropped a Bloody Mary on one of our guests. So, <laughs> um, they, they, they didn't take it too well and, uh, nor should they have. And, I quickly skedaddled and made my way back into the kitchen shortly after that. Yeah, no, I've I've had my share. Well, so did you go to culinary school at all? I did go to culinary school. I didn't finish. Um, I went to the Cordon Bleu when it was still a thing in Minnesota. Um, okay. I kind of... There were some good things and bad things that came out of it. I mean, I think it was a waste of time and more importantly, a huge waste of money. And um, I could have learned everything that I learned there on the job, I feel. And 
the only good things that came out of it were really just the friends that I made there. And um, one of them uh, got me a job at a at public in uh, St. Paul, which was my first like real, real kitchen uh, with that wasn't like that didn't use microwaves to heat up food or anything like that. So that was, uh, oh. that was how I really got my start into like the next level of cooking, I guess. Dude, that's, I, I totally, for me, I went to culinary school and I, I agree. Some of it was good. Some of it was bad, but it was a huge waste of money. Mm-hmm. Like, I unfortunately finished. Did you? Yeah, I yeah. brought myself all the way to the end, but I'm, I'm a terrible student and we had general education classes going with it and I was missing um, my credits in one of the English classes because I oh, yeah. didn't show up to it or something like that. And uh, so before I can go out on my externship, which was the last thing you do at, at our culinary school, um, I had to finish that class or take that class. They didn't offer it the next term, and so I just wasn't going to any classes or doing anything. And after mm-hmm. two weeks, they're just like, "You've missed twelve classes in a row. Um, we're dropping you from the program." It's like, that, oh. "What am I supposed to show up to?" And so, yeah. Long story <laughs> short, I didn't finish. Um, oh, dude, that's 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 lame, though. Yeah. Yeah. When I asked uh, what I was supposed to show up to, they're just like, I don't know. But if you don't show up to, if you miss 12 consecutive classes or if you miss 12 consecutive days of schooling, you drop from the program. All right. Whatever. Fuck you guys, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, I did the same thing. I went for the AA degree and I mean, those classes, like, generals at art schools are a complete joke. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I, I'm not learning anything that I didn't learn in high school. Exactly. Yeah, it was all just the same classes over again that everything you already know. I mean, it, it's like uh, if you've been on the job before you went to culinary school, that's all you're doing is just reinforcing everything that you already know as a cook. Even um, So... Yeah, if any, whenever I talk to younger cooks that are thinking of going to culinary school, I was just like, don't do it. Just whatever you do, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. It, and I don't know. I had plenty of people who were like, dude, I was already working in restaurants when I went to culinary school. And they're like, you don't, you don't need to go. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was like, okay, well, you're, you know, in your late 30s and you're a line cook. Mm hmm. I don't, I, I want more than that. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought that was the way out, but. Yeah. Little no, did it's I know. just, it's just hard work and dedication. Not how much money you spend on a degree that no restaurant cares about. Yeah. Amen. Well, so, I mean, obviously we've had the, uh, the pandemic going on and, mm-hmm we were working together at the beginning of it. Yes, we were. So, I mean, just kind of walk me through how, you know, job wise, 
what have you been doing? How is it? I, a lot of people I found out are just out of the business. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, most of the people I know have gotten out of the business. So mostly front of house people, the people that don't, that just can't work. Um, but for me personally, um, how long was I there after the pandemic started? That was uh, early March when I think we shut down yep. in July. Like, so I made it a couple yeah. months. I uh, met young Johnny with you. But man, that was so surreal working in a completely empty restaurant when you're when we normally serve, what, 300 some odd people a night uh, to go down to zero people in the restaurant. And the only thing on tables is pizza boxes. Um, yeah, you know, it, it took an adjustment for sure. Yeah. And just doing that grind, uh, it's not, a, it's not rewarding anymore. And, um, for me, what, the majority of my shifts were just opening and standing around while the prep team did their work. And as soon as the work, I'd just be like, all right, this is, I guess I'm leaving. And, um, at that point, I was just—I would—I'd already been thinking about getting out of working in restaurants for a couple of years at that point. But at Young Johnny uh, and everywhere else I've worked in the last three years or so, it was well. You're on that next. You're just give us a couple more weeks, and you'll take that next step up to sous chef or something like that. And I just felt like I was being let on and. I was just like, yeah, it's it's time to get out. So um, I left in July and spent a couple months on unemployment, which was both terrible and also relaxing and kind of a break that I needed. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, ever since then, I've been uh, working as a float chef for a retirement facility. So I go from different location to location every couple of days and cook for a bunch of elderly people. And it's, a, it's been mostly great. Um, the hours are a lot better. I go in at six o'clock and I'm done by or six o'clock at the earliest. And I can be done between sometime between noon and the latest I've left anywhere has been 6 PM. So yeah, just the hours you alone are worth the, uh, changing career and it's different pace man like the first day on the job there i went ahead and just you know had a prep list and what i needed to get done for dinner and i finished it it was i got there like at nine o'clock in the morning and i was done what i i thought i was taking my time with it and i was done by eleven thirty, and i went up to the culinary director and i was like what else do you want you need me to do you just shrugged your shoulders that means that nothing so i stood around <laughs> for another five hours waiting to serve dinner so i oh, wow. had to really learn how to pace myself a lot more and just you know take my time throughout the day there's no hurry these people aren't going anywhere they eat at the same time every day you know exactly how many you have to feed and uh, you get it hot i mean you cook it up and keep it hot and then you just it's scoop and serve man it's so easy but it's it's good i mean it's a good change of pace and not stressed out anymore um 
that that's that's great yeah my anxiety level has gone way down as i mean just not having to pump through however many orders and not knowing how many times that ticket machine is going to go off i mean i go in and i know exactly what i have to do and get it done and go home yeah well i mean you brought up a, a couple of things that i wanted to talk about but I feel like um, that we both, I mean, for me, it took, I took a, a long road to, this is the first time I've ever been a sous chef. I was an <laughs> executive chef before I was a sous chef. But I, I, you know, I feel like there's that where it's like, oh, well, you just need to work a little harder and do this and that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I got that, that plenty of places. And even there was places where it was like, oh, well, you know, there's a sous chef job opening up. You should take it. I was Mm -hmm. like, okay. And then you just get passed up. Yeah. And And that also also isn't exactly what happened at Young Johnny, as you know. I mean, like, we were opening Suki and Mimi, our new sister restaurant. And um, our, our chef at the time, Ian, was going over there and he wanted to bring me along with. Well, COVID happened, and then he decided to get out of the restaurant industry, and just that left me kind of hanging high and dry. And that's kind of what happened with that sous chef position. So it's not I I, res, I respect everything that Dan's done, and um, and I don't think that I I mean I know I wasn't passed over for any illegitimate reason. It's just Ian left, and whoever's going to be the new chef over there needed to bring their own team in, which is understandable. Yeah, but I mean, well, and you know, it can only happen so many times before you're like, well, you know, what the hell, man? Yeah, no, right. I, like at, at the restaurant I was at before that, I kept being told that, yeah, you're going to be sous chef. Yeah, you're going to be sous chef. Yeah, you're going to be sous chef. Then eventually I put my notice in, and then chef comes up to me. He's trying to get me to stay. He's like, well, what if I gave you your title? He's like, man, I can't, <laughs> I can't, yeah, it's uh, too late. I can't do that now. No, I, yeah, I, I mean, I felt the same way. Like I had to go, I mean, either work my way into it or talk my way into it. Mm-hmm. It just seemed, I don't know. I, and I'm always wondering, like, because to me, it was always like, oh, well, we could, you know, you could be the new sous chef. And I mean, honestly, Jeff, you could eat, like, sous chef wouldn't even be, I don't even think that'd be challenging for you. No, I mean, like, <laughs> not I mean the, the that reaction sounded arrogant. I'm sorry, uh, but I yeah, well, I'm, t- I'm telling you, you, I'm you're more than capable of doing it. I and appreciate that. Um, I, but yeah, I've done the sous chef position before, and then, like I said at the previous place I was at before, I was basically the sous chef there, except without the pay and title. Exactly. So. Um, I've been doing that. I mean, I was doing that type of work for two, three years at that point. So, yeah, you you could easily walk into that role, and that I don't know. For me, it was always like, well, you're asking me to do these things, but are are you going to pay me more? Mm-hmm. And the answer is no. There most of the time. So. Right. Right. 
Well, in, in the culinary industry, it's like, well, you need to show me before. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but if you just look at my resume, you know I can do it. Yeah. And that's just a huge kick in the nuts when that happens. Like that pizza place I was telling you about uh, that I started at. Like I said, I was there for 10, 12 years. And eventually they decided to open a new store. And I interviewed for to be the general manager there and run the place. And they knew exactly what I could do. I've been the assistant GM over at their uh, base store for a year at that point. And then I interviewed for it. They said, great interview. We love you. We're probably moving you over. I'm like, that's great. Let's go. And I told them, we talked about what I would get paid and everything. And they agreed to it. And then all of a sudden, they're like, well, we're going to move you over there. But you're going to keep your current wage until you show that you know what you're doing. It's like, I quit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it forces you into that, like, well, I'm telling you know I can do these things. I'm capable. You've seen me do them. And now you're just asking me to do more work before you pay me more. Like, mm-hmm. Just pay me. Yeah. Give me the title. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you know what somebody's capable of, just reward them for it. I mean, it's not asking that much, I don't think. Well, it, and I know, I know you, like, I know you're a hard worker. So it's like, and for me, it's like, what you know, you're going to get the job done. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have to work 24 hours straight, you're going to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and I feel like we're the same in that way. If you put me in a role of responsibility, mm-hmm. but if you don't put me in that role, then the guy, the guy who you decided to pay. Yeah. That's it, his problem. Yeah. And, and that's a, all different can of worms too, but I don't, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, I look around and some of these kids that are, that I've come across now, they just don't have that driver effort at work and it drives me nuts. Like, yeah. Oh, if, if you're, if we're winding down for the night, like there's not many orders coming back in, you're standing around bullshitting with other people. It, it drives me insane. Start cleaning. Let's go home. We're going to be here right. another hour because of you. No, I, I, well, and I mean, that was going to bring me to my next point is like, so where you're working now, I, you know, I worked in a, the schools for a little bit. So mm-hmm. I understand you show up, you have this many people to feed when at this time, Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty simple, but when I was there, it was the people who were working for me that made it hard. Okay, how is the is that the same for you, or is it better there? Um, it's a little bit better, I'd say. Uh, some sometimes, like the thing that drives me up the wall right now is when like the um, RAs the resident assistants come down and they have never worked in the kitchen before or a restaurant and they try asking for something and they don't just ask for what they need. <laughs> They're like trying to explain, like give me like a 10 minute story about what it is they're missing. I'm just like, fucking just stop. And what do you need? Oh, you needed a box of cereal. That's it. All right, here you go. 
Um, yeah. That's the type of stuff that I'm dealing with. But it, I mean, again, that's small potatoes compared to all, all the stuff that happens in restaurants. And the, like I said, the best part about my current position is that as a float chef, I don't have to deal with those same people over and over again or any of the political stuff that happens in like a, a residence like that um, where you have to culinary directors are constantly at odds with the executive director of uh, whatever building it is over right. the budget and all this. I go, I mean, right now I just go in and cook the food and leave. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, that that's beautiful. In my in my youth, I was like, oh, well, cooking in a kitchen, all you have to do is cook and there's no politics. And mm-hmm. I was oh, so wrong. So wrong. <laughs> I I mean, I was I was like, I don't want to have to deal with the office politics. Mm-hmm. Little did I know. Oh, it's it's people that aren't in the industry don't just don't under, won't know of me. But there's so much more shit that happens in a restaurant. I mean, you got front of house versus back of house, which happens everywhere you go. I don't understand that mentality personally, and I try to break it whenever I wherever I work and. I try to get along with front of the house as much as I can, but like there's just that mentality of cooks versus the servers, and mm-hmm. you're wrong because you like cooks are just like looking at servers and being like, you're making so much more money and you don't do a good job or you don't do anything, which is not true, but just that mentality. And there's so much drama that happens in restaurants. I hate it. Well, you know, I'm I'm not a drama person. Period. No. no. So yeah, yeah, and it's those stupid little things that keep everything hung up. But I don't. I mean, I'm I'm glad that you. I mean, that sounds like a good gig. You just show up, do what you do, and don't have to deal with anything else. Yeah, and if any problems do come up, I try to you know just do what I can to find a solution, and if it's more than a if it's going to take more than that one shift, I'm there for. Um, it's the first time I've been able to say it, but not my problem. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's been first time I did that. That was real weird. Like uh, I was just there to work breakfast and lunch, and that was it for one that one location. And for dinner, they had uh, they were serving whole roasted turkeys for 140 people. Mm-hmm person that was there before me the day before only pulled two birds to thaw out oh it's like well that i tried to speed thaw in another three (laughs) which uh, didn't work so i i don't know i got him as thought out as i could ripped the breasts and legs off and roasted the threw those in the oven and just like told the next person good luck (laughs) Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a problem here. Um, just so just so you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just yeah. so you know, there's a this isn't gonna work. Yeah, this is what you're walking into. Um, I I'm, I my shift's over. I gotta go. No, that sounds that sounds actually really gratifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like I felt really weird doing it. Because normally, if 
some bullshit like that happened to me during a prep shift or something, I'd be there for another five hours getting that bird cooked. So, yeah, it it's a uh, it's a completely different animal working uh, where I am right now. What so I mean now that you're at a nursing home or well that you work at you know senior living places is that more of um like what kind of covid do you have to like get tested frequently or um yep what are their policies uh it's hard for me being a float chef because i'm not at a location necessarily when they are getting tested but yeah we get tested at least once a week um in my case Sometimes it's every two to three weeks, or sometimes it's three times in one week. Uh, basically, if they're oh. doing their testing there, I'd have to go down and get it done. But um, okay, the test has become far less invasive now, and you're no longer getting poked in the brain with the swab, so it's it's not bad. And uh, one of the benefits is I got bumped to the front of the line for the for the uh, COVID vaccine, so. Oh, nice! Yeah, yeah. No, no. I had uh, I had my first uh, brain touch <laughs> like a couple of weeks ago, and like I, I have a really sensitive nose. Okay. And that that messed with me for like three days. Oh, I bet. Yeah, yeah. Like, and the lady knew because as soon as she put it in my nose, my eyes. She's like, "Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> now I have to. Now I have to turn it." And I'm like. <laughs> oh that that was suit like yeah i don't know it was not not my favorite thing yeah oh no, now it's just it with our tests uh just a self-administered swab that you just put in no more than a half inch up your nose and spin it around for 15 seconds and you're done okay so goes from uh poke into the back of your throat brain stem and now it's just a little bit of a little bit of a tickle that's it well that sounds a lot more pleasant than what i got yeah well our, i mean so you know we want to get to know you personally so a lot of things that we talk about on the show is how stressful the job is it sounds like yours is a little less stressful which is amazing mm-hmm. but what do you do in your downtime um now in my downtime i've actually started streaming on twitch a little bit so that's just something i do just for fun just playing, playing video games with my audience and friends that are there so um otherwise i don't know man i sleep and <laughs> i don't do a whole lot there's not much to do in in the covid world right now there's like I used to go out and eat a lot and can't do that anymore. Um, go to the movies, can't do that. So a lot of my old hobbies are just gone and I had to find something to fill the time. So play games and figure might as well try to make some money with it, which I'm making a little bit, not much, but make a little bit. Hey, a little bit's better than nothing. What uh, what game are you playing? Uh, right now, games, uh, League of Legends primarily. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, other than that, I like I don't know. I um, 
don't have like like I used to go to support groups. Um, we haven't mentioned this. I'm a recovering alcoholic. Uh, today's actually my third year anniversary of being sober, and um, so I just, hey, congrat hey, congratulations! Man. Thanks, thank you, thank you so much. Um, but yeah, I, we used to have a uh, recovery group for people in the service industry, and unfortunately, that's sort of gone away. Uh, but I try to talk with people that I know might be struggling with um, alcohol dependency, drug problems or something like that, and are having a hard time right now, which is a lot of people keep in contact with a lot of people still. And yeah, I, we talk a bunch and just try to work through it and find healthier coping mechanisms than um, any type of uh, substance abuse, which you mentioned how stress things get in the restaurant. Um, there, we don't know how to cope with stress <laughs> growing up in the restaurant. A lot of us got into it when no. we were pretty young, probably before we could legally drink. And then, boom, you're 21 and they're offering you shift drinks and you feel like you're on top of the world at that point. But, and you learn how to deal with stress and whatever emotions through alcohol and then that leads down to other substances as well and unfortunately our industry just doesn't have many other options for people to reach out for if they need help which i think is a shame well, i i think um dude I'm, I'm honestly glad that you brought that up I, I wasn't gonna pull it out of you but i mean i think that in our industry that it's almost like a norm mm -hmm. where it's like, especially like when I started working again, I was underage, but it was like, Oh, well we're having an after party mm -hmm. go over there. And then it was like, Oh, I got killed on a shift. Let's, you know, yeah. And, Drink and, a liter of whiskey and, and forget about our problems. <laughs> so, yeah. And, Again, you know, and I've said it before, it's like, well, when you get off work, when we get off work, what's open? Mm -hmm. Maybe another yeah. bar, and that's about yeah. it. It's not like you can go to the gym or whatever because it's one thirty in the morning. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I never really, especially when I was pretty young in the industry, it never really dawned on me that, that's not a normal way to deal with stress um, because a lot of my friends were college age at that point. So we would always be going out to the bars and, and college towns and whatnot, but like dawned on me like five years down the road where I'd, I'd be talking to my buddies and I'd be talking about like what, what I got done doing after work and uh, it was always going to get shit faced somewhere. And then they'd be like, you know, and I'd ask what they did and they're like, oh, I just went home and went to bed. It's like, so you didn't get drunk? What's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> right. right. So you didn't go to the bar with everybody? Right. right. How, what? And then it just doesn't dawn on, on people that that's not what what we're doing is not normal. People don't do that. Um, but that's just how we learn to cope, for lack of a better word, I guess. No, I think that's a that's a great word. I mean, I, and my wake up call was when 
I was like, basically my, my day was like, I, I go to work, I get home. I drink to the point where I'd wake up in the morning, recover from the hangover just enough so I could go back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was like, like this, this can't continue. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I was just drinking to go to work. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, this, this is too much. Luckily, I, luckily I got out of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm fortunate enough to not have those. I don't know. That it's not a trigger for me. Yeah. 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 And again, I'm, I'm one of the very lucky people Mm -hmm. because it, it runs rampant in the industry. Absolutely. And functioning alcoholic is like 50% of the people. Yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of people think they're functioning alcoholics, but they're not functioning well at all. But um, they're just surrounded by other people that are doing the exact same thing. So they feel like everything that they're doing is normal and justified. Right. Yeah, right. And you're absolutely, you're, they're gauging among their mm-hmm. peers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you mentioned that you had a wake-up call, and I wish I had something like that. Um, but I would go from waking up and working off that hangover to knowing that if I just drink a little bit more right when I wake up, I won't get hungover. <laughs> so then I'd go into work and then just be not, like, blasted, but I'd be drunk, and then I would start all of a sudden getting that sober period in the middle of the shift, which is even worse because you're on a grill or something like that. So then the next step I yeah. took was, well, I'm just going to bring a bottle of booze with me to work. And then mid shift, I can run down to the basement, take a few poles and then go back to work. And it got to a point where I was drinking. I think it was about between a liter and a one seven five of whiskey every day. Plus whatever I could get my hands on at the bar. So, um, well, I mean, uh, well, and that's the other thing. It uh, work is an enabler. Like, there's always booze around in a mm-hmm, restaurant, mm-hmm. and even if like the ownership or bartenders might even know that you have a problem, but it is such a stigma to call somebody out on it or have a conversation that tough, tough conversation that some people need to have um, that they just turn a blind eye to it and you go up and ask for a shot of whiskey in the middle of your shift and they're like, all right, here you go. So, yeah, no, you know what? I'm, I never thought about it like that because I've always been like I've worked at places and people will be like, "Oh, you know, I didn't, I didn't make it to the liquor store tonight. Do you think I could um, borrow a bottle and bring mm-hmm. it back?" And I'm like, "I'd be like, no, man. Like, you know, every once, like if it happens once every six months, okay, I mm-hmm. understand. But if it happens more than, you know, once a month, it's like no. Yeah, yeah. If if, if your problem is that you can't." make it you want to drink tonight and you can't 
make it to the liquor store before your shift. There's something else going on, and I'm not going to help you. And that that is, I think, a step in the right direction, but also recognizing that that person might need like even more help than even they realize they need, um, mm-hmm. I think, is something that we're just missing in the industry. And luckily, I, I sh- I've had one of my sh- chefs at the time. I, I just stopped working for him. He, he was one of those people that kept telling me, "He's like Jeff, you got a problem. You need help." And I'd be like, "No, I'm fine." And then eventually, I got myself fired from a restaurant in Uptown, and um, was jobless for a good month and a half, and about to get evicted. And I eventually did get evicted, actually, and uh, that was the eye opener there. I was on, I don't think I hit rock bottom, but I was definitely plummeting towards it. And I decided to check myself into treatment and we've been uh, clean and sober ever since. Dude, that's awesome. I mean, not getting there, Mm -hmm. but where you are now is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Especially still working in restaurants. And I'm, I'm sure now you have to deal with, deal with it less. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I mean, in a regular restaurant, there's always people drinking. There's always people offering mm-hmm. drinks and that and that. Like when we were at Young Joni, uh, one of our good uh, cooks there left. I think this might have been before he started, actually. And he was been there since the opening, I think. And he brought in, like, a, for his last night, he was making paella for everybody. Uh, he's from Spain. It was going to be delicious and everything and but he also brought in a couple cases of beer and everybody was going to be hanging out after work and drinking and uh celebrating and like just setting him off but and i'm not saying i can't be around people that are drinking but as soon as i know people are going to be drunk i have to uh, most of the time i have to excuse myself especially if it's people i know and like being around i totally understand that i uh I know. But but, yeah, like you're saying, that's not really something I'm around anymore. There's no drinking. (laughs) Except that. Yeah, the the seniors aren't getting two turns. uh, Except at one of the accounts on Fridays, they do a happy hour for the seniors at like three o'clock or something. And the kitchen puts together like a cocktail of the week for them. So, but yeah, that's not bad. I don't know. I don't actually personally know those people. So. Just well, I don't know. I I don't know. I'm I'm happy for you that you're doing well. And dude, COVID COVID has turned. Uh, it's I feel like it's shown everybody their their uh, no makeup mm-hmm. face. Like this is who you actually are as yeah. a human being. Yeah. Trash. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it was COVID. It was. Everything that was happening in the politi- political scene. I mean, uh, there was uh, the riots after uh, everything down in Minneapolis happened, and yeah, there was a lot of a lot of uh, true colors came out of people. And some people who had some very strong opinions that I didn't know that they had, and I don't talk to those people anymore. 
dude uh so yeah that uh that actually happened to me i went and visited a friend and after the visit i was like i i don't know like and we've been <laughs> friends forever and i was just like i don't know if i can be friends with this person anymore because of the rhetoric and the things that they mm-hmm. were saying i'm like <sighs> it, it was it's weird but like you said a lot of things just came out that were which i think is good that it's out there mm-hmm. but also yeah. terrifying and i i do have friends that have different political opinions than i do but if you're go and i'm still good friends with them and everything but if you go so far off <laughs> that you're saying some really hateful things and just like ah, i don't want to know you yeah. yeah right right i can we can argue on a no non we can argue on mm-hmm. facts but if you're just i hate to use the term but yeah, fake news. Yeah. but if that's what you're going on then i can't nope. really help you what um I guess there's only a few other questions, right? What kind of music do you kind of listen music? to? I listen to everything, dude. Um, not not a lot. I mean, not a lot of country or anything like that. But I, it's on. I don't turn it off. I guess uh, my favorite band of all time is Tool. But um, yeah, I listen to everything. I was listening to The Roots all day at work today. So Tool is gonna haunt you forever. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's all right. What I mean, whatever you like, mm-hmm. what you like. I mean, I came up in a terrible rap time. Master <laughs> P was the biggest rap yeah. artist, so. <laughs> so don't yeah. judge me. It was Cash twenty fine. million years, whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. I'm just glad that you're doing good. I'm glad that we had this conversation. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Sorry that. Sorry that Eli couldn't be here because I wanted Eli would have. I think you guys yeah. would have got along well, pretty well. He's got his priorities right. I mean, he's got to take care of the family and everything over a little podcast. So, yeah, yeah. How do you fault him? Oh, I'm sorry. I have to take care of my yeah. child, but I don't know. All my friends are good parents, so I feel like yeah, exactly. I, I mean. Can't just ask anybody for being a good dad. So, well, I mean, so is there like any last statement? Are there any um, um, places that if people who do need help that you would want to send them to? Um, I mean, you know, it's it's your last platform. Say whatever you want to say. Uh, I wish help. I thought about that before we started. I don't know the name of the person's organization but um if you reach out to like i actually don't know if i should say your name out of podcast or not but yeah i there are resources out there but i can't really think of them off the top of my head right now but there's some great people uh look for um uh last call uh facebook group um is for people that are either in recovery or are supporting those in recovery in the restaurant industry. That one's a okay. great resource. That's where I found out about our recovery group. 
um, that we had for a while. Um, and it's got some really great people in there. So I'd, I'd recommend that. All right. I mean, we'll definitely, um, we'll put that in the, we'll put a link okay. in there for cool. you. But yeah, I mean, it, it's that position is unbelievably mm-hmm. hard, and I've I've known a couple people on both ends of it, and some of them do well, some of them don't do so great. But you know, I think the industry itself needs mm-hmm. more help on that. Like, like there should be. Especially like when, you know, if you have a hospitality group, there should be like that yeah. person that you mm-hmm. can go to. And uh, but yeah, I've had a couple other cooks that I work with that have come and talked to me about like they think they're, they need a little bit of help. They're not willing to admit that they have a problem, but they're just like, yeah, I went out and got drunk again last night. And they just need somebody to talk to even. Like, I mean, if you know somebody like that, I get Yes, uh, just offer to be that person to listen to them. Um, that's the that's Dude, Jeff. That's yeah. so awesome. It's, uh, that's one of the so cool. best pieces of advice I can give is just if you know somebody that needs mm-hmm. to talk, just even just talking about about whatever that deep seated issue. If they can start getting a little bit of it off their chest, is so helpful. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Well, I mean, I think that's it, man. I I appreciate you uh, taking your time out. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for uh, having me. I knew you'd, I, uh, I knew you'd have a, a good perspective on yeah. the culinary industry and what's been going on and what you've been through. Yeah, uh, I, I, I hope I did. Uh, I don't know. To me, it's just, it's just, uh, yeah, a lot of talking about myself, it, it seems like, but. Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of Twin Brother Darkness Chefs. Uh, if you would like to support us, please uh, visit our website on anchor.fm slash twinbrother with an A, Darkness Chefs. Uh, click on the support button. Thank you guys very much. Peace.